0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I trust you and your household are also doing well. We are talking about um, our identity and our authority in Christ. And uh, today I want to start by talking about the ministry of Jesus on the earth and uh, what Jesus did during his years of ministry. And I'm just trying to sum this up because. During this three and a half years, I mean, you know, he said and did a lot of things, but I'm just trying to sum up uh, uh, for, uh, for the simplicity of understanding what he did. And Jesus did uh, five things when uh, in his ministry. There were five things that were his main things. And the first thing <coughs> was that he preached the kingdom of God. He proclaimed. Preaching, actually to preach, means to proclaim. So he preached or proclaim the kingdom of God. And uh, if we look at Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15, it says, uh, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So that was, uh, some people say that was the first message he preached. And it consisted of four points. The first was the time is fulfilled. That means the time is now because you know, he was preaching to the Israelite people and they were waiting, waiting for the time when the Messiah would come, waiting for the time when something would happen. And Jesus came saying, he said, no, the time is now this, this time that you and I are living in. This is the time. And He says the time is fulfilled and the Kingdom of God is at hand. That means the Kingdom of God is here. It's not far away. It's not anywhere else. It's here right now at this time. And then he said, Repent ye. Repent. To to repent means to turn around. It actually means to change your mind, but uh, it's not changing your mind about anything that, well, uh, uh, you know, I I like this and now I like this. It doesn't mean that kind of change. But changing your mind, it means that have a, have a change on the inside. Uh, let your mind, let your heart be changed, leading to a change in your life. That's what repent means. Repent means that, uh, uh, you know, you, in our context, it would mean you feel sorrowful for your sins. And, you, you know, you, you're, there's a change in your mind, a change in your heart. You, you are sorrowful for your sin and you're sorrowful for the things in your life that don't please God, and that causes you to make things right with God. And then you turn around and change your life and go in the opposite direction to which you were going. If you were going towards destruction then you start walking towards Jesus, that's what repentance actually means. So he says the time is fulfilled. This is the time and the kingdom of God is at hand. That means the kingdom of God is here. So, because this is the time and the kingdom of God is here, what it should mean for you and me is that we should repent, that we should have a change in our mind, change in our hearts, and uh, you know, a turnaround in our lives and believe the gospel, believe the gospel, believe the good news. So, he preached the kingdom of God. The second thing he did was he taught the word of God and you can see Jesus. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the synagogues teaching the people and not only in the synagogues, but he, was, he also taught in the open air. You see him doing that and you can see him uh, like by the, uh, you know, where he turned the bread into fish. He taught it was in the open air where he multiplied the bread into fish. And then other times he taught in people's houses. He was in the house of Peter and Capernaum and he taught. So Jesus preached the gospel. And then he taught the people and taught to teach means to uh, to expound on the word of God, what the word of God means. And so it says, and they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. So Jesus um, went to the synagogue and he actually taught the word of God to the people. And uh, like, for example, now I'm teaching you. You know, uh, when I'm in Africa, I'm doing my crusades I'm preaching, proclaiming the gospel, but like this, I'm teaching, you. I'm taking the word of God, explaining the word of God to you. So Jesus preached the gospel. He taught the word of God and it says, but this is uh, the unique thing about the teaching of Jesus. He says, and they were astonished at, this, at his doctrine for he, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. It's interesting, it says uh, that, you know, the scribes and of course the Pharisees and all those people, they also used to teach, but uh, they didn't teach with authority. Jesus taught like one who had authority. Um, and authority here means he was sent by God. Authority means someone has delegated power. And Jesus was sent by God, he was not appointed by man or sent by man or self appointed. Okay, then the third thing he did was he healed the sick Jesus healed the sick and I'm reading to you a couple of scriptures Luke 4 verse 40 It says now when the Sun was setting all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them so it says that when the Sun was setting he says the local people they brought every single person who was sick of any kind of disease they were brought to jesus and he says that what he did was that he laid hands on on each one of them and he healed them hallelujah and he all that were sick were brought to him healed all of them now luke chapter 6 verse 9 and the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and heal them all. Virtue here means power, dynamis power. So it says that the whole multitude, they said all these people were, they wanted to touch him because power was flowing from him. The power of God was flowing from Jesus and the people, um, they reached out and they wanted to touch him. And the Bible says that all who touched him were made whole. He says the power of God, their virtue flowed from him and all of them were healed. This is interesting. They were all healed. There were no exceptions. There were no excuses why God didn't want to heal somebody, but they were all healed. So, uh, so first he preached the kingdom of God. Secondly, he taught the word of God. Thirdly, he healed the sick. Fourthly, he cast out demons. He cast out evil spirits in Luke 40 and sorry Luke 4 verses 40 to 41. Now when the sun was setting all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them and devils also came out of many crying out and saying thou art Christ the son of God and he rebuking them suffered them not to speak for they knew that he was Christ. So it means that uh, what, he <clears throat> what he says is that many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to him. And uh, and he laid hands on them and he healed them. And he says, and many people who had demon-possessed, the devils came out of him crying and screaming, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he rebuked them and he do not let them speak. For, because they knew that he was the Christ. It's interesting because the, 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 the Jewish people didn't know he was the Christ, but the devil knew he was the Christ. Uh, because the devil said, you know, when they were angels, they had worshipped him at his throne for, for the, from before the beginning of time. And now he was on the earth and they recognized him. And so uh, they said, oh, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. We know you. And he rebuked them. He told them not to talk because they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 5. That, I'm sorry, the last point, point (coughs) 5. So first was, first was uh, he preached the kingdom of God, secondly he taught the word of God, thirdly healed the sick, fourth he cast out demons, and fifth he forgave sinners and forgave sinners Let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. So Jesus spoke forgiveness of sins. And this was the story of the man in Capernaum who was lowered through the roof. Um, And uh, and you remember Jesus said to the man, he said, Your sins are forgiven. thee." I forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven. And all the Pharisees were upset. They said, Who does he think he is to forgive sins? And then Jesus said uh, to them, he said, so what do you think is easier to forgive his sins or to tell him, rise up and walk, but that you may know that I have power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto you, young man, rise up and take up your bed and go home. And the man rose up and uh, took up his bed and went home. So it's interesting because you see here that healing and forgiveness of sin are very, very connected to each other, God, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases in Psalm 103. And then it says that, uh, uh, you know, sure, uh, because uh, Isaiah 54 verse 4, is Surely has borne our diseases and carried our pains. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. So the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Here we see again healing and salvation in the same verse. When Jesus died on the cross, he bore our sins and our diseases. So he healed the sick, but he also forgave sinners. And uh, in John chapter 8, verse 11, And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. And this is the story of the, um, of, of the woman who, had, who the Pharisees had, called, uh, had caught in adultery, and they wanted to stone her. And then Jesus said, Is there anyone here? Uh, You know, he said, uh, sorry, he said that he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone and nobody cast a stone because the, the Bible says they were all convicted by their own conscience. And then Jesus said to her, is there anyone who condemns you? Isn't there anybody who condemns you? And she said, nobody, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. That's interesting because he was the only one in that place who was without sin. He was the only one who was actually worthy to cast a stone because he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So nobody there was worthy to cast a stone at that uh, woman except one person. And that was Jesus himself, because he was without sin. He could have cast a stone. And so he said, nobody condemns you. She said, no, Lord. And then he said, neither do I condemn you. In other words, I can condemn you, but I choose not to go and sin no more. What wonderful mercy. He, he forgave her her sins, he her adultery. He, he forgave her. He said, just go and sin no more. Uh, so Jesus did these four things. He, um, he, he preached uh, the gospel. He taught the word of God. And thirdly, healed the sick. He cast out demons and he forgave sinners. Now, now we talk about the next thing. Jesus as our substitute, because for those three and a half years, He, uh, you know, he preached the gospel, healed the sick, worked miracles. And now we see Jesus upon the cross as our substitute. And um, upon the cross, Jesus, you see, Jesus went to the cross because he knew that was why he had come to this world. And uh, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying in the garden and uh, uh, he saw a cup and and in the cup he saw the sin and the evil and and and, and the diseases the bitterness of all mankind and um, and the father told him this is why you have come to this world to drink of this cup to drink of the sins of man and um, and jesus was so pure you see he was so pure uh, he was without sin and he in his purity he was one with the father because he and the father were one there is only one god father son holy spirit there are three yet they are one and so (coughs) jesus had that perfect communion with the father but he knew that if he took upon himself the sins of mankind although he himself had not sinned, if he drank of that cup and took the sins of mankind upon his own self what would happen was that he would be separated from his father and that the father would reject him because of his sin. And he would be in the same place where sinners are because of their sin. Sinners are rejected because of their sin. They're separated from God because of their sin. So he would be in that same place of separation from God because of the sin of man that would be upon himself. So that is why he said, father, If it be possible, let this cup pass me by. In other words, Father, if there's any other way to do this, let us do it that way instead. But then, that that was his instinct of self-preservation. He didn't want to lose his fellowship with the Father. But then there was another instinct that kicked in, and that was his love for sinners, his love for you and me. And he loved you and me more than he loved himself, his, his own safety, I should say at that time. So he said, but father, nevertheless, not mine, but your will be done. He said, father, fine. I mean, if there's any other way to do it, let us do it that way. But I submit to your will. Let not mine will, but your will be done. So Jesus loved us so much that uh, he knew what it would cost him to become our substitute to become, because see, upon the cross, Jesus became like you and me so that we can be like him. I mean, if you look at the way they whipped him, you know, those Romans had uh, those uh, flagrons, which was like a whip with nine long belts of leather. And each one of those belts of leather had sharp pieces of metal and bone. And uh, those, those uh, that whip, I mean, the beatings with those, that instrument of torture were so, <coughs> I'm sorry, were so severe that, that uh, uh, I mean, it would tear the, each cut of the whip would tear off pieces of skin and flesh from the person's back. And some people would faint after a few cuts of the whip and uh, others, uh, uh, some people would even die. So that's why the Romans administered maximum 39 lashes, maximum. And Jesus took all 39 lashes. And and and, when, and then he, so he, and, and you know, one of the Psalm, uh, the Psalmist says that plowman had plowed my back and made deep furrows. So his back looked like a field that had been plowed. Uh, he bore our diseases and carried our pains when he was whipped with that flagrum and then they crowned him with a crown of thorns and crown and thorns in the uh, in, in the bible talk about the Uh, uh, about the curse that is upon the earth because of the sin of man because when Adam sinned against God, God cursed the earth and said from now on the earth will bear thorns and thistles. So when Jesus was crowned with thorns, he bore every curse that was upon you and me Upon his own self. Every curse that the devil can ever lay upon us. Be it any kind of curse. the generation curse or whatever. A curse put by witch doctors. Which I have had people do that to me. I mean all those curses. That can ever be uh, imprecated upon you. Or put upon you. Jesus bore them upon his own self. So that no curse can touch you and me. And then they beat him. They took those two by force and they beat him. And Isaiah 52, the last verse, it says that his face was disfigured beyond recognition. And he was beaten that way because we might have peace. And then they made him carry that uh, cross to Calvary. And uh, when he, he finally reached Calvary with the cross, they took those long iron nails and then nailed him through his hands and his feet and they hung him upon the cross and for six long hours he hung on that cross suffering in great pain and agony and he died. After six hours of suffering, and while he was on that cross for the six hours in his pain and his suffering and his agony, God was taking the sins of mankind, your sins, my sins, the sins of the entire human race, and he put them upon Jesus. So Jesus upon his own self. In those hours, he bore the sins, the diseases, the infirmities, the mental torments, the physical diseases, and the mental diseases of all mankind. And the Bible says that by those stripes on his back, we were healed. And upon that cross, Jesus also won total victory over the devil. He won total victory over all the powers of Satan, over all the powers of darkness. Amen. So we are going to look at that more. But I want you to understand that when Jesus was whipped, when he suffered, when he died, he suffered as our substitute. He suffered in our stead. He suffered so that you and I don't have to suffer the consequences of sin. My friends, the consequences of sin are terrible. But thank God that we don't have to bear the consequences of sin because Jesus Christ bore the consequences of our sin. And 1 John 3 verse 8, and these are the words of John the beloved apostle. It says, the reason the Son of God was manifest or he came to this earth was to undo. That means I'm reading from the Amplified and I I like the way it, it It opens up the verse and reads to you the full meaning. He says, the reason the Son of God, Jesus, was manifested was to undo, to destroy, to loosen, and to dissolve the works of the devil. So Jesus came to this earth. He was manifested in this earth to destroy the works of the devil. All the works of Satan, Jesus came to destroy. He didn't come to leave the works of Satan intact. He came to destroy them. So this whole thing about curses and all those things, diseases and sin, Jesus actually destroyed them upon the cross. Uh, amen. So it says that he came to destroy, and that was the purpose he came to earth was to destroy the works of the devil, and he did it upon the cross. Amen. And in Isaiah 53, verses uh, 4 to 11 it says surely he has borne our griefs that means our sicknesses, our weaknesses and distresses and carried our sorrows and our pains so Jesus bore our diseases and he carried on our pains and the word there for 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 uh, which is translated as grief or sicknesses is the word holy Holy means. Diseases, physical diseases. So he bore our physical diseases, and he carried our pains. And the word pains, Hebrew pain, is the uh, the Hebrew word is makob, which means physical pains because of infirmity. So Jesus bore our physical diseases, and he carried our physical pains. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted by God what he's talking about is those Jews who stood and watched him as he died they were ignorant and they didn't realize that he was actually bearing our our sins and our diseases our pains and our diseases they thought he was just being punished by God But says verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquity. So with all our transgressions, all our guilt and our iniquities, all our sins, he bore them all upon his own self and the chastisement of our the needful to obtain and peace and well-being for us was upon him that means he was beaten so that we may have peace and well-being and with the stripes that wounded his back uh, uh, that wounded him we are healed and made whole then it says all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way but, and the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and the iniquity of us all. It means that we were like sheep who had gone astray. We had all gone our own way. But the Lord, he has laid upon Jesus uh, the guilt and the iniquity of us all. All our guilt and iniquity, God put them upon Jesus. Then he says, he was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he was submissive and he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb is led to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who among them considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? And they assigned him a grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death." He's talking about, you know, he, uh, he, they assigned him a grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. He was, he's talking about the tomb of Joseph the Arimat- of Arimathea, the wealthy man who gave his own tomb to, for, to Jesus. So, although he had done no violence, neither was, was any deceit, deceit in his mouth. And then he says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. That means it was God's will to wound Jesus. You see, God's will was to wound Jesus so that you don't have to get sick. God cannot will that both Jesus and you get sick. No, Jesus bore our diseases so that we don't have to bear them. So this theology of, well, God, I know he bore our sicknesses, Jesus did, but there are times it may not be his will to heal you. Let me tell you once and for all, this kind of thing is not found in the Bible. I, you know, I just want to tell you, it is not found in the Bible. And anytime we base our, on, on uh, our beliefs on certain things, some theologians or preachers make up, Instead of what the Bible says, we are in deep trouble. We have to stay with the Bible. And this is what the Bible says here. It was the will of the Lord to bruise, not you and me, but him. It was the will of the Lord to wound and to bruise Jesus. He has put him to grief and made him sick. When you and he make his life an offering for sin, it says... And he has risen from the dead in time to come. He shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So it means that Jesus uh, was bruised by God. And it was God's will to put him in. Uh, uh, you know, uh, is, is to make him suffer grief. And it was God's will to make him sick. That means God. Put our diseases and put them upon Jesus. And he made his life an offering for sin. And then it says, when he rises from the dead, he shall look at us, his spiritual offspring. Because we are born out of his suffering. We have been raised out of sin and death because of the suffering of Jesus Christ. That is why it was God's will to cause Jesus to suffer because it was only through his suffering and bearing our sins and our diseases that we can be saved and we can be healed. Hallelujah. And then it says, He shall prolong his days, and the will and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Then it says, verse 11, And he shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be, and be satisfied. That means he shall see the fruit. Of his suffering and be satisfied. He shall look at us and he shall be satisfied when he sees us by his knowledge of himself, which he possesses and imparts to others. Shall my uncompromisingly righteous one, my servant, justify many and make many righteous, upright, and in right standing with God? For he shall bear their iniquities and their guilt with the consequences, says the Lord. So it says in the I, I love this last verse, verse 11, very powerful. Isaiah 53, he says, he shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. That means he shall see the fruit of his suffering. He shall look at us and be satisfied because he will justify many and make many righteous it means that because of his suffering he shall justify you and me and he shall make us righteous so that you and I are justified we have been made right with god and we can stand before god without guilt without consciousness of sin or fear but we can stand as holy and blameless in the sight of god because jesus has borne our iniquities and our guilt Hallelujah glory be to his holy name what a wonderful salvation that you and I have received have received because Jesus became our substitute and paid our price for us and uh, we will come back again more tomorrow and we'll talk but uh, let us pray right now father we thank you for our lord jesus for uh, We cannot even fathom the price he paid for us. And we cannot even fathom the greatness of your love for us, that you would send your holy and righteous son to die for sinners. When we were sinners, you died for us. We thank you, Jesus, because you paid the price for us to make us holy, to make us upright and righteous, to stand before you. Father, what a privilege it is to be your children, Father, to be called by your name, that we can say that God is my Father and I belong to him. I thank you, Father. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are hearing my voice. I ask you to bless them and touch them, Father. Touch their families with life and healing. And thank you, Father. Let your provision come upon every home and bless them. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. God bless you.